0: You stop thinking about it like that. Like, there's no win in winning an argument about something that doesn't matter.
1: There's That's no W in win. I mean,
0: <laughs> you, you, uh, gee, you should really trademark that. Um,
1: I hate when people say shit like that. But I mean.
0: <laughs> do you need a paper bag or nitro or something? There's
1: no I in win. But there is,
0: <laughs> so that doesn't really work.
1: No, there is no we and when.
0: That's technically true. I'm gonna true. come up with one that's really good. You, it's you take be that. You take that home tonight and you work <laughs> on that. It's be a bumper sticker.
1: Hi, I'm Nelly.
0: And I'm Dan.
1: And you're about to listen to the Happily Demarried podcast, where we pick a lucky issue of particular interest to people trying to find a not-miserable way to engage with their current or future ex-spouse.
0: We're talking today about what to do in a situation where your ex is a douche. Um, and when they are insistent on keeping the fight going even after you guys have gotten through all the hard stuff. That's... Oh man, my ex
1: is such a douche. It's like.
0: I can totally relate to you.
1: I <laughs> totally live and breathe this. Douchiness? <laughs> no, <laughs> dealing with a douche. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. I was going to say you were living and breathing the douchiness. <laughs>
1: Not at all. I smell vinegar. Oh, that is... Okay, let's start over. Our kids... What if our kids listen to this? They won't. They're so tired of us.
0: I'm I'm tired of us, too. (laughs) So, anyway, the topic that we're going to cover today is what to do in a situation where you are completely through the whole divorce process. You settled all the theoretical hard stuff, and now you've got a situation where your ex still wants to fight with you about absolutely everything. And so what we're going to talk about a little bit today is about how to try to diffuse some of that stuff or to I kind
1: of know. I I really I know um couples like this and sometimes they're they're both that way. And I think you and I are hard like in our worlds like we're hard to date like we get along with each other and so if you're dating someone and like whatever we you're in your 50s I'm in my 20s and if you
0: 20 stone <laughs> that was British humor That's
1: good. no we're both in our 50s almost and if you're dating people and they're they're doing this like I I dated someone and it was like a battle almost every other day and they both it's like just like you say it was like an addiction they both got a, got into it like they they really were they got some high or some adrenaline boost from trying to bring the other down and it was often
0: yeah there there is definitely a nar- narcotic effect if fighting is something because it, it definitely affects you on a very visceral level you feel it and if it's something that you are accustomed to doing, it's easy to kind of stay in that, stay in that mode um, in a relationship that where you know all the buttons, you know what, you know a lot about your ex. So it's not hard to draw them into the fight if you want to fight. But the idea here is that maybe you don't want to fight anymore, um, and maybe you're thinking that this doesn't have to suck all the time. And I know a lot of people who are in this situation where they're trying to figure out how to interact with their ex in a way that is at least civil. It doesn't necessarily have to be love and friendliness all the time. But the idea is to really try to to kind of bring it down a notch so you're not always in a dispute with your ex. And you think about who this affects. Well, obviously it affects you and your ex. It affects your kids because your kids are aware that their their parents aren't getting along. And that's hard on them. It affects everybody else around you because, to be honest, nobody really wants to hear about somebody bitch about their ex all the time. It's a really... It's a tired trope. You get really sick of hearing the same story and you stop getting invited to parties and all of a sudden you're an outcast living by yourself in a house with a collection of old cars and motorcycles and a lot of guitars and sewing machines. You know what
1: happens to me is that other people want to bitch about you to me.
0: (laughs) I don't blame them. (laughs) There's nobody who's bitching to you about me that doesn't have a valid complaint and that's probably true. But let's, um again, let's, no let's move on bat. from that. No
1: one ever badmouths you to me.
0: I'm sorry you feel that way.
1: Um, they don't. Um,
0: but the, So so let's talk a little bit about how, like, honest self-assessment here. Because if you're in a situation where you think your ex is a douche all the time, you have to do a really careful self-analysis, a really honest self-analysis, and say, okay, what am I bringing to the party? Am I being douchey? am I the one who's perpetuating this? And if you're a big contributor to those fights and you're one of the people who's instigating some of those, you got to own it. And if you don't want to do it anymore, then you have to think about how to de-escalate and how to separate the fights that matter from the fights that don't. There's an awful lot of kind of bickering back and forth when somebody knows your triggers. It doesn't have anything to do with a substantive issue, something that matters. It has everything to do with just getting under that person's skin and making them feel the irritation that you do
1: i i gotta say that one thing that helps me because i'm kind of like a right off the rip react kind of person and then and you know that about me like i i, I think it's kind of obvious but um like right off the rip I'm. that's yeah, like,
0: ready fire aim
1: and so what's helped me a lot is to just do nothing. So I'm sure about my emotions. I'm sure that I'm angry. I'm sure, you know, I'm very always completely positive that what I'm thinking is accurate, and it's it, it's not. And so now that I know that about myself, sometimes just doing nothing, doing zero and sitting there, if it's for, I mean, if you're right in a conversation, even if it's for 10 seconds to just sit there if it's if it's not face to face and you can wait a night, like everything, everything changes, and you can you can change your point of view, and like I read, I, I like, um. You know the articles that, I don't know if people know, but Dan writes corresponding articles to all these podcasts that you know a lot of people like to read instead of listen, um. But a lot of i hear a lot of women especially say but but like what if i start acting nice and he's still a dick like what if i start acting nice and he's still well you feel better about yourself like that's that's the high you get is when you're like i'm going to i'm going to be cool well,
0: it's kind of, that's that's kind of a part of reframing the whole perspective on this stuff because you know if you start, if you think about that relationship as a battle or a war, when you stop thinking about it like that, like there's no win in winning an argument about something that doesn't matter.
1: There's That's, no W in win. Uh, <laughs> you, you,
0: uh, gee, you should really trademark that. Um, I
1: hate when people say shit like that. But I mean. <laughs>
0: Paper bag or nitro or something. There's
1: no I in win.
0: <laughs> but there is, so that doesn't really work.
1: No, there's no we and win.
0: That's technically. I'm gonna true. come up
1: with one that's really good. You, it's you take be, that.
0: You take that home tonight and you work on that. It's
1: gonna be a bumper sticker.
0: I'm sure it will. Um, but the, the, but Nelly's point is a valid one, if I can remember what it was. <laughs> is that. Yeah, if you decide you don't want to do this anymore, you don't want to, you don't have to go into each argument. So if if your ex decides that they want to come to you with a topic that is typically incendiary and gets you pissed off, stop taking the bait. Don't rise to the bait. If it doesn't matter, don't give in to the urge to lash back. And you'd be surprised how effective it is in taking the fuel from the fire if you decide not to give them what they're looking for. It's really powerful to be the person who decides they're not going to have the fight yeah and it pisses off the person who's
1: trying to it's true but you you did this in our divorce i mean you've trained me how to have a decent divorce like you make me you make me think and also i used to send i don't do this much anymore but i used to send like and i could feel when i'm You know when you feel when you're writing something and you're writing out of like adrenaline and anger like you Mm -hmm. might not get that but I get high off that and so I remember sending you these texts and really they would be like seven or ten inches long like like just long 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 like I'm not going to call him and say this I hate email and he's going to get this and he's going to like and you I don't know if you ever read them but you would always write okay okay. (laughs) or agreed and then I'm like I'm sorry you feel that way that's another one of my favorites oh he agrees with me like I'm like I don't think he even read those seven inches but at least I typed it out and now what I do with those is I type them in my notes instead of sending them and I don't mean just with you I mean with everyone in my life if I have some weird interaction or like even like a, a bad date um, I just write it in my note. I I write it in my notes on my phone, and it gets the adrenaline out. And and I, and I can text, but no one ever sees it.
0: And uh, that's actually a hugely effective technique and a tactic. If you, I so all those seven-inch texts that you sent me, um, I would read those, and a lot of times I'd type a nasty response, but I'd never send it. Not very often. Once in a while I would, but oh, not very often. For but I wouldn't save it. I mean, I just did it and then I'd read it and I'd be like, I can't send that. And then I'd say, OK, because I knew that that was the only way that it was actually going to come down to a point where we could get to a point where we didn't have to fight about it or at least I didn't have to talk about it anymore.
1: I, and so, I think, so a big, the, the, I think a big, huge deal with this whole thing is that like and I talk to a lot of women, even it's even just relationships. I talked. I have a lot of female friends. And we all go through whatever we go through with, with kids or divorce or, or anything. And a lot of times they're not telling me how they feel. They're telling me what the ex did. There's never anything about themselves. And I, and I always just go back to the center and I go, why don't I, why don't you get out of his head? You're not gonna ever accurately be in there. You're never gonna be able it's to totally be in someone's true. head. So, I say get out of his head and tell me, tell me what you feel right now, and without him included, just just yourself alone. I think a lot of women that have been part of a couple for 10 to 25 years, and they do, they don't know what it's like to. To be able to stand on their own and think for themselves and a lot of them you know you have to work you have to get a job now or you have to um do do things with your kids that the ex usually did so you're sitting there in this like foreign land and you're just going guess what he didn't take him to the doctor he didn't do this he didn't do this he should be having the sex talk he should be doing and if you take that off the table and and i try to get when I talk to my friends, and it, it's easy when you're talking to someone, it's hard to do yourself, but when you're talking to someone about stuff like this, it, it makes you do it better with your own divorce.
0: It's awareness. If you're aware of it, you can change it.
1: Right. And so so, I can, I can take you off the plate. And, and once I got divorced and stopped blaming you and took my own role in it, like blame, blame, blame. Why blame anyone? Like you're already divorced. Be happy about it and move on. If you're going to be sad about it, you're, you're never going to reach – I I guess not sad, but if you're going to be angry about it and hang on to that, you're never going to reach a, a, a place of peacefulness. And you don't want to go on a date with a guy. And and I've hear, I've heard guys say this. They go on a date with a woman, and she sits down and lists off all these shitty things her ex has done. It's the same. It's universal. It's men and women Dude, do that. Dude, I don't want to hear that. I would never want to sit down to dinner with, with someone I'm interested in and hear what a horrible person his ex is and why he's justified.
0: And, but, but a lot of that is what – so when, you, when you're together, I think people have a tendency to think of themselves as a couple. And you think you're – inside. it's almost like you're thinking with one brain, even though that's not technically true. But when you're divorced, you don't really have a choice. You have to write your own story. And you get to craft that narrative any way you want. Well, for a lot of people, that narrative doesn't become about them. It becomes about their ex. And that narrative is it takes a really unpleasant view of how that ex exists in the world. So you're sitting there making all these assertions about what your ex is doing or not doing, when in fact, the only thing you can control is what you're doing. You're the only person who can change what happens to your narrative. So if you decide to stop engaging in the stuff and trying to change the way things are happening in your ex's head, you're never going to succeed with that. So it's really useful to kind of step back from that. Work on your narrative. You can only tell your story. And the truth tends to come out over time. If your ex decides to disparage you all the time, people are going to get sick of listening to it. They're going to know that it's bullshit if you're living a different kind of life. So let your story kind of speak for itself. And don't worry about painting your ex in a bad light. Yeah, you're going to be pissed off sometimes. You'll want to share that with people, but don't make that your sole focus. So in terms of how you, I'm going to try and bring this back because I don't want to make this too long, but how do you address those situations where your ex is insistent on having a fight? Well, one of the things you have to do is don't say more than needs to be said. Don't bring, take the emotion out of those conversations to the best extent you can. So... If in Nellie's case, she's sending a seven-inch text and I don't really have anything in there that I need to address, if it's not really important stuff, I'm not going to say more than needs to be said. I'm not going to make it personal. I'm not going to make it emotional. I'm not going to cast aspersions of her and tell her how she's all wrong. I'm just going to say, okay. If it's got more life than that, she'll continue to try to pursue it. Yeah, it's
1: just training. It's all training. It is. like training your brain to not hate. It's It's... It's so hard to do,
0: though. It's totally hard to do. But this is all about learning to let go of what you can't control and s- staying focused on the stuff that you can. you got to learn to let this stuff go. It's okay not to have the last word. Sometimes not having the last word is better than having the last word. Not true. It's really true. Because true. What, what that means is that you, no, it means that you can sit there after your 7-inch text and after I've said, okay, if you want to go on and on and on and pursue it and I continue not to engage, I'm feeling okay. I'm sitting here in my... Whatever, doing whatever I'm doing, I'm not letting that overtake my life. Where you're still spinning on it. And I'm not saying you specifically but whoever's spinning on that that stuff is consuming and it's, it's distracts you from working on the stuff that you can change. So you're, let your ex go ahead and try to frame an argument that makes you look like shit. The truth is, is that you can make yourself look good by not doing anything.
1: Yeah, by doing zero.
0: Um, which is a lot more fun. To it, it's it just makes your life it just makes your life so much more comfortable and so much less angsty. Um, so that's that's the take. It's really about if you want to boil it down to just a couple quick bites. It's say only what needs to be said. Don't take the bait. Learn to let it go. It's not about wins and losses. It's about fighting the fights that matter and letting the ones go that don't.
1: Even though. You're still kind of a douche. But you're working on it. It's nice to see that...
0: (laughs) I'm sorry you feel that way. (laughs) That's it for today. Uh, Thanks for your time. bye. Bye.
1: Congratulations. You've made it through the Happily Demarried podcast. And since you've demonstrated an appetite or at least a tolerance for what we have to say. Check us out online at www.happilydemarried.com where you'll find articles corresponding to each podcast.
0: Sign up for a very prestigious emailing frig. Sign up for our mailing list. <laughs> okay, let's try out again. You know why you again.
1: messed up? Because you didn't get to say www. I know, we like- should probably
0: not say www. Yeah. W Sign up for our very prestigious mailing list or send us your questions or comments to questions at happilydemarried.com. <laughs>